Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. I want us to read Acts 12. You know, this was devotions on Tuesday this week. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. What I'm teaching you, I got out of devotions this week. Because God's Word is light and life. It is a lamp to our feet. It is the panacea for fear. It is the thing that God has given us to hold on to, to fight with, not to cling to in the hope that we will be saved, but as a sword. He said, my, my word is not a, he, he didn't say this, but um, by implication, he said this, my word's not a life jacket so that you can cling to in the storms of life and hopefully your head will stay above water long enough until the rapture comes and I can pluck you from the storms and waves of life. That's not, not what His Word is. That is not what His Word is because the Bible says, His Word is a sword, a two-edged sword that will divide asunder the soul and the spirit. And the big fight we have is with our soul. The big fight we have is with our desires, with our fears, with our soulish realm. And I wanna read to you Acts 12. Now about that time, King Herod stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of the unleavened bread, that is the Passover. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him. (laughs) How many soldiers need to keep you? Are you quivering in fear and it only takes a look from the enemy to keep you in prison? Well, I'm telling you, Peter needed four squads of soldiers. That's not four soldiers, that's four squads. There's a differing opinion on that, but that is over 25 people. That is a lot of people to keep one man. Why? Because the enemy knew how powerful he was. I wanna ask what's keeping you? What is holding you in prison right now? Is it a mask? Is it four walls? Is it fear? Is it limitation? Is it isolation? Whatever it is, is it sickness? Is it financial poverty? I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you, God wants you to become the kind of person that it takes four squads of soldiers to keep you down. Okay, he's got four squads of soldiers. Um, (laughs) So he's rested him, put him into, there, there you go, to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer. Everyone say constant prayer. 
constant prayer. We need to get a new relationship with prayer. We need to understand the power of prayer and I'm speaking for myself because sometimes we go to prayer as the last resort, not the first resort. We need to understand that constant prayer, the constant fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. It is super effective and God wants us to understand that. So constant prayer was offered to him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night, Peter's sleeping bound with two chains between two soldiers and the guard before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison. And Peter still didn't wake up. So he smacked him on the side and raised him up saying, arise quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, gird yourself, tie on your sandals. And so he did. And then he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street and immediately the angel of the Lord departed from him. I wanna speak out of this passage this morning because God just exploded it into my spirit. You see, Peter of all people should have been very fearful because Herod had arrested him because he saw that when he killed James with the sword that the people were pleased. So Herod looked around and said, oh, Peter's next. I'll get Peter, put him in prison. But it was Passover. And I wanna tell you when I read that, my heart leapt because this was the celebration of when the children of Israel were rescued out of Egypt. It was when God asked them to kill a lamb and smear the blood over their doorposts so that when the angel of death came, it passed over their house and they were safe. And it was also the, the anniversary of Jesus' death. See, Jesus was killed during the Passover. He was the Lamb of God. He was the Lamb that was to replace all those other lambs that they'd celebrated every single year because it re reminded them that they were free from slavery in Egypt. And here Peter is in the prison and he's in the prison for a week because Passover was a week. Herod um, put him in prison, but then it was the Passover. So he's in prison for a week and the church are praying and they're all celebrating the Passover, which is also celebrating Jesus' death and what He's done on the cross for you and I. And you and I would not be free if it wasn't for the Passover. And I feel like God in this story is letting us know I rescued my people, the children of Israel from Egypt and I, I brought them into their promised land during the first Passover. Then as I sent my son to die on the cross and he 
became the Lamb of God, the real Passover Lamb, the Lamb of God that would rescue the whole world from sin, the slavery of sin. And I feel like God is saying, He wants you and I to understand that He is in control, that He has already won the battle, that even though you feel like you're in prison right now, the battle has already been won on the cross. It was won in Egypt. It was won on Calvary and it is still being won once and for all. Jesus died on the cross for your sin to release you from slavery, but not just for your sin, to release you from the power of the enemy over your life, to release you from the power of fear, to release you from the intimidation of the enemy. And here is Peter asleep in the prison. It's in the middle of Passover. He's had his own Passover in prison, thanking Jesus for dying for him, understanding that Jesus took the keys of hell and death and rose again and is now seated on the right hand of the Father and is interceding on your behalf. Just like the church are interceding on His behalf. God wants you to understand He is in control. He has already won the battle. So it's Passover, he's in control. He's locked down, he's guarded, and he's sleeping. He's at peace. Incredible. And I feel like God wants you and I to get a hold of this right now. He wants us to understand that it is possible to have such deep peace in this time. It is possible to sleep better than you've ever slept before. It is possible for you to literally just Despite chains, despite circumstances, despite four walls, He does not want you to, un- to, to allow those things to limit you. He wants you to understand that He is the Prince of Peace and He lives inside of you. You see, He's sleeping because Jesus has already calmed two storms for Peter. And I wanna go really briefly back to Mark 4.35 and um. Jesus is with his disciples and he says, come on, let us. I wanna talk to you about the development of faith in Peter's life that got him to the place where he's asleep in the prison in the four walls. I wanna talk to you about understanding that God wants you and I as a church to get to that place in these last days and I want you to understand how Peter got there. He's on the land and Jesus says, come on boys, let us go together. And they all get in the boat together. This is in the early stages of development of their faith. They get in the boat together and Jesus, Jesus is asleep and the wind whips up and the storm comes and the, it, 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 the Bible says they're threatening, it's threatening to sink the boat and Jesus is still asleep. Water would have been splashing all over his face. I did wonder, I did ask God, Jesus, were you faking that deliberately? Who knows, he may have been, because he wanted them to face a storm where he wasn't immediately available. And so they, 
in this boat. Jesus is still there. They can see him. They can, he hasn't left them. They can feel him, that he's physically present and the storm is raging and they try and do their best. And then finally, one of them wakes them up and I'm sure it was Peter. Don't you care? We're gonna drown. And Jesus stands up, rebukes the waves. And then he says, why do you still have no faith? So that's Peter's no faith moment. It's like, I've just fed 5,000 people with a few fish and loaves of bread. And literally that was like hours ago. Why do you still have no faith? And he rebukes the wind and they say these words, who is this? Who is this? You see, they haven't fully had a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. They're still thinking he's a rabbi. He's a man. Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And maybe you're in a place in your life today and you are still on a journey to find out who Jesus is for you. Maybe you've invited him into your boat, but you're still uh, bailing out water. You're leaving him asleep. You don't wanna disturb him. That's, he's only there for the 911 call when you really need him. And uh, you, you're on a, a journey and you don't really understand that Jesus Christ is there in your boat to still the waves. Anyway, the second time Jesus calls a, calms a storm, Peter is, um, for Peter is Matthew 14. And immediately Jesus made, and the word made is strongly command. He made them. He says, get in that boat and go over the other side. I'll join you later. So they've, you know, they've journeyed with him a bit by now and he get, they get in the boat and they begin to row across. Jesus goes up the mountainside to pray and he's watching the waves. <laughs> I know he was because he came walking the waves. Soon as they got halfway there, they were quite away from land and the waves started to pick up again and one of those notorious storms started to, to brew and the disciples are valiantly trying to row together to get across to the other side. Jesus is not in the boat with them this time. They think he's left them. They can't see him or feel him or touch him or hear him. They think he's not watching, but he comes walking to them on top of the storm. He is not subject to the storm. The storm does not affect him. It doesn't affect the way he walks. It doesn't affect how he walks. He walks on top of it. And God, Jesus comes to them and they scream out, it's a ghost. And he says, be of good cheer, it is I. And I feel like God wants to say to you, "Don't be of good cheer, it's me, I'm with you. You think I've left Left you. You think I'm not in the boat, but I've been watching the whole time. I know exactly what's going on in your life. I am with you. And Peter says, if that's you, really you, tell me to come. And Jesus says, come. And now Peter is invited into Jesus' world. The world of walking above the storm. And he gets out of the boat and we know the story. He, he starts to walk on water. He's like, this, guys, this is, oh, this is so cool. Takes his eyes off Jesus, 
I'm sure he looked back at the boat, or the, the Bible says he looked at the waves and the wind, but I'm sure he's like, are you, have you got this on video? You're videoing this? This is great Insta story. Anyway, he looks at the wind and waves and starts, he says, Lord, save me. Jesus pulls him up. And then he says, why did you doubt? You have little faith. He had no faith the first time, but he had faith to come out on the storm and walked on the water and he had little faith. And now I wanna swing back to the night in prison because Jesus has left earth, physically left earth and left these disciples to face death and fear and persecution and to build the church without Him. Without His miracle working power, He'd given it to them. And Peter was used to using that. So now we have Peter with no faith, Peter with little faith, and now we have Peter with great faith, lying in a prison. And I know that he had great faith because he was sleeping so soundly that the Bible says an angel of the Lord came into the prison and filled the prison with light. And I'm pretty sure he didn't have an eye patch on to help him sleep, but he still didn't wake up. And the angel's got to whack him on the side and say, quickly, get up. And Peter gets up. And I wanna just talk you through some things that God showed me out of this. He said, gird yourself, gird yourself. It's an old fashioned word. You see, both men and women wore dresses, tunics, not dresses, tunics, long flowy tunics down to here. The men wore them down to here, the women wore them down to there. And so in order for them to run, to fight or doing any kind of strenuous work, they had to grab their tunic, pull it up and then do something. I, I, I wanted to show you, but I just, just I knew it was gonna go wrong. I, I, I had a good idea. I was like, oh, I'm gonna wear a dress. And I, and I thought, no, do not do that. <laughs> Common sense said, just please don't do it. And so anyway, they do that and then they tuck it into their belt. So they have a belt that is tied around their waist and they tuck this into their belt so that they are able, it's like a nappy. It forms like, you know, a nappy around their butt and they're able to run and able to do things. And when they slept, they loosened their belt or took their belt off. And the angel says to him, gird yourself, which meant get your belt on and tuck your robe into your belt. Now, I don't know about you, but the belt reminds me of something else. It reminds me of Ephesians 6 and Pastor Josh already preached half of my message this morning and told you that we're meant to put on the armour of God because we are filled with the power of His might and stand strong in the power of His might. Because you know what? The very first thing that is mentioned is the belt of truth. Put on the belt of truth. And this shouted to me this week, like I've never heard it shout to me before. God said, so many people in my church are listening to alternative truths and they can't gird themselves. It's just a mess. It's not tight enough. It's not 
It's not protective enough. It, they're not able to gird up the loins of their minds because they're listening to the wrong kind of truth. And God said to me, if you will understand that there's so much out there that is not truth, we don't know what truth is. And I feel to just say this to you, I've done this myself, but so many of you, us, let's say us, so many of us are trying to sift through all the information out there and try and find out what the truth is. And we're looking at conspiracy theories. We're looking at everybody's opinion about every single thing. And the the drive in us is for truth. That's not a bad drive. We want to know the truth. We're looking to politicians to tell us the truth. Seriously, we're looking to the media to tell us the truth. Double seriously, we're looking to people who have researched, people we trust, people we we know to tell us the truth. And God says, will you gird yourself with my truth? That is the very first thing that you need to do in the armour of God. And Peter getting pulled out of prison in this situation, the angel says to him, gird yourself. Gird yourself, you're going back out into a world that is full of alternative truth. It is full of lies of the enemy. And God wants you and I to understand, you have to read your Bible. If you are not reading your Bible more than you're reading the internet or watching television, your truth will be affected. I promise you that. Your truth is the foundation for your armour. You don't even know what you're fighting. In fact, you fight the wrong thing if your truth is not God's truth. You will be not fighting flesh and blood. I mean, you'll fight flesh and blood not principalities and powers and you only have one enemy and that enemy is Satan. That enemy is the deceiver of mankind. That enemy is a thief, he's a stealer, he's a liar, he's a cheat and he wants to destroy your life but but he wants to do it through fear. He wants to do it through intimidation and God says, please put on the belt of truth and the angel said to Peter, Gird yourself. Everyone say, gird yourself. Nudge the person next to you and say, come on, gird yourself. Gird up. I like that. Put your girdle on. Okay, there's lots in there. Isaiah 8, 12. I love this. I've read this this week. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. We can, we don't have to dread it. We don't have, I don't care if every conspiracy theory on the planet is right. I have read the book. I know who wins. My heart has been given unreservedly to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Saviour. And I said, Lord first, He is my Lord. Whatever He he asks me, I will do His bidding. He is in charge of my life and my life is not my own. I don't even have permission to fear because He has said that I will never leave you or forsake you. He said that He'll be with us. He said that we're on mission here in this world. We're not 
of the world. We're in the world and we're in the world not to survive. We're in the world to have purpose and do mission. And God has so much more for you and I to do as a body of Christ. Gird yourself. Stop reading conspiracy theories. I won't even talk about it with people. I say, you know what? You know what I do know? You know what I really know? You know what I found out this week? What? That Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords and God is on His throne. Jesus Christ is sitting next to Him and none of this has taken Him by surprise and I am placed on this world for such a time as this and I am waiting on God daily for mission from heaven and I will execute that mission to the best of my humanity's failing ability. But God, I will just surrender myself for service every single day so that I may speak Your truth that I may point people to Jesus Christ, that I may show them an anchor in the storm, that I may, may give them the hope of the world, which is Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He's the only truth. And He is the only path to life eternal. That's what my Bible says. That's what I believe. And that's what I'm gonna teach. The next thing the angel says to him, I love this angel, by the way. <laughs> this angel's a nervous angel because he's like, quick, hurry. Uh, I don't know whether um, God said to the angel, like, hey, you've got five minutes. I've put sleep serum on all those guards. You've got five minutes. But after that, I can't promise. I can't promise what's gonna happen. Seriously, my imagination goes wild because I'm like, why is the angel so in such a hurry? Quick, hurry up, get your shoes on, get your belt on. So the next thing he says to him is get your shoes on. Shod your feet. I love, I love the King James, I'm sorry. Gird and shod. Shod your feet. Put your sandals on. Tie your sandals on. I, I'm referred back to Ephesians 6. Put on, I have to read it because I always get this messed up. Um, shod, having, having shod your feet. You know what I love about gird and shod? The angel didn't put his belt on for him. They are active words. The angel's commanding him to do it himself. He's not saying, you poor thing, your hands, they're bleeding from the... The chains, you've been in here a week, they're rubbed, they're, you're blistered, you're, let me, do, here, let me do it for you. No, get up, quickly, gird yourself, shod yourself, shod your feet. <laughs> I'm weird, oh, shod, shod, okay, that was terrible. Sorry, Pastor Josh, shod your feet, people, because Ephesians says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You see, Peter was not walking out of that prison as a reward for his incredible service to the kingdom. Peter was not walking out of that prison even as a response to the prayers. All of these things are valid, but he was walking out of that prison into mission because God still had a plan for him to accomplish on this world. And until your plan is finished, 
finished. The enemy cannot touch you. You are who by worrying can add one hour to his life, the Bible says. You can't, I can't, but we have mission. And mission, as long as I stay on mission, I'm gonna get walked out of prison after prison after prison. And if I have the sandals of the preparation of the gospel of peace strapped to my feet, God says, oh, you have those shoes on today. They are my favourite shoes, Jane. I love those shoes. Okay, we're gonna walk out of prisons. We're gonna walk into destiny. We're gonna walk into purpose because I have so many people still to hear the Gospel, that the good news that I am the Saviour of the world. So gird yourself, shod your feet, and now put on. The angel said three things, gird, shod, put. Put on your outer garments. Immediately I'm like, I have the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The outer garments speak to me of what the world sees first when they look at me. Do they see misery? Do they see fear? Do they see pain? Do they see a, see a, 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 a non-overcoming person? Or do they see the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness? Despite how I feel on the inside, the outer garments tell the world that Jesus is in control of my life. And I just am here to tell you, God has more for you to do. He has a plan for your life. He has, he has so much for the church to accomplish. In fact, the church is more, He's coming back for a spotless, a, a wrinkleless bride. The Bible says He's coming back for a glorious church. And you and I need to get ourselves in the place where we are a glorious church. And the only way we can be glorious is to clothe ourselves with grace because we cannot be glorious by ourselves. But as we clothe ourselves with salvation first, and then we clothe ourselves with the garment of praise, we clothe ourselves with righteousness, the Bible says, not ours, but His. We become the hope of the world. And I don't know where you are right now. You may be like Peter in the first storm and you, you just haven't had that personal revelation. You're still asking yourself, who is this man? Who is this person? Maybe you're here, you've been invited and you see a difference in the person's life that bought you or you just came in by yourself, but you, you feel like there's got to be more to life than this. Like Pastor Tony's been preaching the last two weeks. There's got to be more to life than this. Who is this man? And I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ wants to get involved in your life. He wants to rescue you from the storm, command those waters to be still, not just to, to make it better for you, but to take you on a great journey of faith so that you become a living, breathing, active, fighting part of His body, the church. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, 
that you needed his love. So he sent his son Jesus to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, he said, I will take their place. So he died and rose again so that his death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past and his life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.